This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Jeb with Rami. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. I'll tell you something. Nagy, if you don't, if you don't loosen up and if you don't start playing big time, Football, I hope the fans in this town run you out. To me, I'm done with you. You're he coach. should fire himself. You are he not should a fire coach. himself. Yeah. yeah, he should fire himself, OB. Be a man. Fire yourself. Oh, God, that's so good, dude. So good. Oh, it's so much fun the laughing at the expense of other oh, teams in the NFC North. So the Packers win last night. They're 7-1. and one. They're tied for uh, the second best record in the NFC with the Saints. The Niners are still undefeated at 7-0. and oh. And then you got uh, Seahawks at six and two, Vikings at six and two, and honestly, all five of those teams that I just mentioned, I think, I think those are five playoff teams for sure, barring some sort of meltdown by uh, any number of them. And then, unless there's another, like the Rams could still make a run at five and three. They're only a game back of the Vikings and the Seahawks, so I guess I should lump them in in terms of being able to make the wild card, but. I think it's it's one team out of the NFC East. It'll be like a nine and seven team. But I think everyone other than the NFC East winner has a chance to get to the Super Bowl. Is that a hot take? Packers, Vikings, Saints. I'm not I'm not saying in order, but Packers, Vikings, Saints, Niners with that defense. Man, they've allowed seventy seven points all year in yeah, seven games. Yeah, that defense is legit. And Seahawks. And I don't think like the Rams need to show a couple more things before I put them back in that mix. But I honestly think. That there are five teams in the NFC that if any of those five teams made it to the I Super Bowl count the right Cowboys now, Cowboys out. See, I kind of would. I don't know. That defense is good, and when that when the offense is clicking, because you don't have to be the best team in the NFC to get to the Super Bowl. You just have to be clicking at the right time, and they're going to get to the playoffs if Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott are clicking and and the defense is playing at the highest level that it can play at. I wouldn't put it past the Cowboys to make a run to the Super Bowl. Okay. I won't fight you to the death on that, but I just I that that organization always it, it feels like they're always on the verge of firing everybody. Yes. And I just think it's really hard to perform at your peak level all the way through the season. And especially when the pressure starts to mount even more. That's the thing about Jerry Jones. For twenty years, he thinks he's helping by speaking to the media and putting himself out there. It's like, no man, you're you're making it harder for people to operate. Your quarterback, your coach at the level that they need to to win a Super Bowl. I also, you know, in terms of quarterback, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback. Drew Brees is a better quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson's a better quarterback. Um, Dak and Kirk Cousins 
probably in that same tier, and it just depends on the week, very different quarterbacks. I'd put the Cowboys below those teams who you mentioned, but I still sure. give them a legit chance to get there. So the NFC is so wide open, and then obviously the Patriots are just standing alone at the top of, of the AFC, but I think this They're, is going to be so much fun the next couple Patriots months. Patriots defense, now I was bleary-eyed and had just woken up when I saw this on Center this morning. Have they scored more touchdowns than they've given up? The Patriots defense? I believe so. I think that's what they said on SportsCenter yeah. this morning. I believe I That's s- insanity. Yeah, if you take away all the points that they've scored on offense, they'd still have a plus point differential. Because they scored another touchdown yesterday. Yeah. I mean, that was literally handed to them, but yeah. <laughs> scored a touchdown. Yeah. Another one. So, it's pretty amazing. Right, okay, right now, where would you rank the Vikings in that mix in the NFC? <sighs> Give them to me again. Let me do this in my head. So, in no particular order, yes. I'll put your Cowboys in there. So, mm-hmm. Cowboys... I mean, they're not Packers, Cowboys, Packers, Saints, Niners, Seahawks, Rams, Vikings, Packers, Seahawks, and or excuse me, Packers, Niners, and Saints definitely ahead of the Vikings. And then I think it's clustered. And the Vikings have, I I would agree with that. And the Vikings have a chance to prove otherwise starting this week. If they start to beat teams like Kansas City on the road, Dallas on the road, okay, it'll all. So before. People bust out pitchforks and stuff like, well, you guys know. I mean, the Vikings will will show us starting this week whether they belong at the top of the NFC or somewhere slotted below. And the Niners, I think everyone's kind of waiting for the Niners. Well, the other shoe's got to drop there, right? I mean, still trying to figure out what that is exactly, how real it is. I mean, that defense, you don't allow 77. I don't care who you're playing. You're going to play a couple stinker teams in there, but you don't go halfway through the season allowing 77 points. If your defense isn't, I mean, look at the plays that Bosa was making yesterday. Yeah, Forty Nine ers schedule gets incredibly difficult from here on out. Have you guys looked at it? Do you have it's, it in front of you? Yeah, it's not easy. So they have next up is the Cardinals. So that's an easy one. Whatever. Seahawks, Cardinals, Packers, Ravens, Saints, Falcons, Rams, Oof. Seahawks again. That was destiny calling for the Niners Oof. right there. Actually, it's just Gerson Ross on uh, Gerson Ross <laughs> is probably calling. Good God, that is tough. Yeah. You know, speaking of schedules, real quick, while he lines up Garrison Rosas, today on uh, Score North Live, we were talking about the Bills. Don't ask why. We were talking about the Bills, and Co- they're 5-2, and two, and Kyler read off their next four opponent, opponents to me. They're about The Bills are about to be 9-2 and two without yeah. beating one good football team. Yeah, That's crazy. I mean, the AFC is like that. Even the Browns. The Browns are 2-5 and five right now, and everyone's out on the Browns. Well, I just told Jonathan and, and Kyle, the Browns might still finish with eight or nine wins. They get the Bengals twice. They get the Dolphins. They get the Ben Roethlisberger-less Steelers twice. Um, there's another weak opponent in there somewhere. So, like, like, the Browns, everyone's just out on the Browns, but the AFC is so bad, the teams can make a run. So, anyways, uh, this happened last night. Wiggins. Tough, tough take and make by Andrew. Wiggins, three. Wolves take the lead for the first time this half. That's that's a couple of big threes for Andrew. Wiggins wide open, looking for another, and he'll get another. Wiggins feeling it. Oh, my goodness, Andrew Wiggins. Look at everybody storming the court. All right, last night. Wolves moved to 3-0, and which is uh, tops in the NBA, obviously. And they also have moved into the top five in a couple national power rankings. Right, so it's been a really good first week for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I saw a CBS one that had them like third in the power rankings or something. Power but, rankings are about how you're playing right now. And the Wolves are playing really well right really now. Really good basketball. Mackie and Judd with Rami minus Judd today. Gerson Rosas, president of basketball operations. Have they peeled you off the ceiling after the fourth Andrew Wiggins <laughs> three last night? <laughs> I appreciate being on with you guys. And now we're, 
it's great when you can have success doing uh, doing the things we believe in. And uh, last night, late last night, was a good example of that. We've had a good week. We still haven't played a complete game, but we've played well enough at stretches and competed hard enough to get three wins in a row, so we feel good about that. You don't strike me as a have-to-peel-you-off-the-ceiling type of guy. You're pretty even-keeled, level-headed. What, what's like? What's Max Gerson Rosas' excitement? You know what? Well, let's put let's throw him back on hold there just to make sure the the I, that's a great question and I want to get the answer there. I always wonder, like really level headed, measured dudes like that when they get really excited. What what's the farthest that they go? Like what's the craziest he's ever gotten at a party? Yes, like has he ever been tied tied around his forehead, guy? <laughs> <laughs> Like top three buttons on the shirt open. Has, has Garrison Rosas ever been that guy? Is what I want to know. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think. I think if you're in his position, obviously you're in this for the long haul. Two, three year. You, you're 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 waiting to add a second superstar to the mix. And by the way, he's going to grab a better connection and call us back here in a second. Um, and I don't think the first three games really matter all that much in the grand scheme. But it's got to feel pretty validating to put in all the work. Setting up your systems, even teaching new things to players who've been in the league for a long time, and then come out of the gate like that, right? There's got, it's got to be pretty gratifying. And the process of getting them to buy in. That's what we talked about that with the Twins at the start of the season. They were doing a lot of things different. It was how do you get a roster of guys to buy in? Garrison, we got you back. Sorry about that, guys. We had a bad connection there. So what's what's the most excited Garrison Rosas gets? Like, what's the wildest you ever got at a party? <laughs> ever lampshade on the head, dude? <laughs> You know what? I, I am pretty uh, even keel, and I, I've been fortunate to be around this league a long time. So you're in different situations, but you know, for us, it's day to day. It's building the identity and uh, growing something uh, that we're we're doing here that's a little bit different than what's been here in the past. So um, I'm, I'm happy for our players. I'm happy for our staff. There's been a lot of work that's gone into this season, and anytime you can see positive results early on, really fuels that mission. So I wrote down three words last night when watching that game play out, and and I don't, I'm not going to put you in a spot to compare to what it was like before you got here because you weren't here, and that's not fair. But the three words I wrote down that we haven't seen all three of them in the mix for a while are joy, energy, and efficiency. Watching that thing last night, and just watching the first three games, joy, energy, efficiency are those are those three fair words. Absolutely, and I, I appreciate you mentioning that because I mean one thing that we want our fans and. And anybody that watches us to see that we play hard, that we play smart, and that we play fast. And I think energy is a byproduct of that. And just our competitive fervor, you know, our guys that are on the floor, um, our guys don't like to lose. And, we, you know, we haven't played complete games yet, but we find stretches where we can fight and claw and get our way back into games. Guys don't quit. Guys don't don't get nervous. They just lock in and you know, Wiggins was a perfect example of that last night. You know, we played a tough team in Miami. It just had a big win against Milwaukee. And to be fair to them, they were coming off a of back-to-back. But, you know, they were they play hard and they compete. And not to back down to protect the home court and to get a win on opening night at home, it's important. And it's something that's meaningful for this program. 
You know, after after the first game, I was on Twitter, Garrison, and I saw a lot of a lot of frustration with Andrew Wiggins and the way that he played in that game. I thought a lot of that was overblown. And just in general, I'm trying to stop myself from doing that and give the guy a chance in the new system and the new way of doing things that you guys are are trying to instill. And as big as what he did on the court last night, I loved what he said after the game, which was basically admit, yeah, I made some dumb mistakes. And I'm glad Ryan Saunders held me accountable. I want him to hold me accountable while I try and learn these new things that they're trying to teach me. That's buy-in, and that's really all that you're looking for from Andrew Wiggins and the rest of the guys on that roster. But I think a guy with the expectations that he came in with, if he's trying to buy in, I think that sets an example for the rest of the roster. No, that's definitely point on. I mean, for, for us, it's it's an education. And, you know, or very early on, uh, you know, we're only about maybe – a quarter to 30% of where we're at offensively or defensively or where we're going to be. And to be fair to the players uh, and to this team, like it takes time, you know, the understanding of what we're doing, personalizing it, creating chemistry. Um, the only way you do that is by getting repetitions, playing games, and being in those situations over and over, and to have success. And to have the success that, um, you know, Wiggins had last night in those situations, taking the right shot, you know, he was similar late in the Brooklyn game where he was driving to the basket and getting good shots. He's seeing that the things that we value are going to benefit not only him but us as a team. And it's a message that you mentioned, but I think it's good for all our fans. Everybody wants to turn this thing around overnight, and that's not how it happens. You know, we want to build a sustainable program that over time is going to have success at the highest levels, and that takes time and effort. Uh, and it takes a lot of commitment and a lot of sacrifice, and that's what we're going through now. Mackie and Jeb with Rami here on Score North and the Score North app. By the way, you can hear three days a week, Raised by Wolves, uh, one of the best podcasts you're going to find on the Timberwolves on the Score North app and scorenorth.com, hosted by Danny Cunningham. So Carl Anthony Towns was named Player of the Week in the NBA, over 30 points a game, bunch of rebounds, bunch of block steals, and uh, defensively with the eye test, just looks like he's he's doing a good job. What Can, can you tell us and tell our audience... Aside from just the fact that he's shooting 12 threes and making a bunch of threes because he's uh, ridiculous like that, what has led to the great start for Carl Anthony Towns? Uh, well, number one, he believes in what we're doing, and um, he's taking steps as a leader, and our players are supporting him. I think we've built a roster that complements him well, um, but we play through him offensively and defensively, and I think he's embracing that. Offensively, our ability to impact teams at a high level where – you know, depending on how they're going to try to guard us, we have a strong adjustment for that. Uh, really make, gives us the opportunity to have a high-level offense. And then defensively, uh, as a group, being more committed and him being our anchor uh, near the basket, uh, that approach is something that he's taken personal. And his efforts have been there. He's been consistent. He's been focused. And he's been committed to what we're doing. And when you have your best player doing those type of things, we're fortunate to have a group of guys around him that believe in him and believe in our mission and are working hard and, and playing hard every opportunity we get. So you uh, you grew up watching sort of the Showtime Lakers, early 90s, mid-90s basketball, right? Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So I'm, I'm so fascinated. We pulled some numbers just from, from your first game. You guys shot like 42 three-pointers. And we went back and even looked in the mid to late 80s, and there were teams like the Pistons in 1987 only made 35 threes in the whole season because they just didn't shoot. I mean, like, what would if you could if you could sit down and explain in the late 80s and the 90s to guys like 
Bill Lambeer and Patrick Ewing, hey, there's going to be seven footers who are literally parked outside the three point line and they're going to shoot 12 threes a night. What, what do you think they would have said? They would lose their mind. I mean, I know a, 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 a guy native to Minnesota, Kevin McHale, still loses his mind, and we were doing it in Houston, and, and it was hard for him to uh, visualize where this was going, but the game is different. It's a, a very strong skill-based game. The floor is different, the ability to open up the game. Uh, and for us, you know, just to be able to impact at a level where a defense has to plan for us and know that they have to guard Carl Anthony – inside and out, and then they have to defend 40 to 50 threes from us. That puts a lot of pressure on them. And when you add in that our philosophy is to be aggressive as an offensive rebounding team, there's a correlation there that's very strong to allow us to be the best offense we can be. You talked about Kevin McHale needing to sort of try and buy into this system in Houston. How much did Ryan Saunders need to buy into this, or was this kind of what he wanted to do all along and you guys just reinforced it when you got here? So there's there's strong alignment in that partnership, and the way I look at the game and the way he looks at the game is very similar. I think he, I mean, you guys saw over the last 40 games that he wanted to play a different way, and my my experience uh, being in Houston and doing what we did there over the last 10 years offensively, uh, we've really challenged each other. I think it's how do we maximize our players? How do we change the narrative of what? Minnesota Timberwolves basketball is all about, and how do we create a competitive advantage? So everything from playing fast, from spacing, from shot selection, from offensive rebounding, it's been a lot of fun to work together through that and get on board not only for our staff but our players to do something different and create an identity that gives us a chance to compete because we just can't play the the basic game that everybody plays. We don't have that talent. Our talent is different. Our system is different. Our skill level is different. And we've got to make the most of the resources we have. When is it okay to shoot a long two or or to shoot something other than a three-pointer or something from inside three to five feet? Uh, you know, a lot of it is is our goal is not to tell players do this or don't do that. Our goal is just to put guys in the most competitive, productive situations that they can be. You know, if you're a guy like Kevin Durant where it doesn't matter uh, what, where you shoot, you're going to shoot at a high level and from and a good percentage. You can shoot wherever, but historically, NBA players, those are bad shots for them primarily, and then secondarily, they're not good areas to get offensive rebounds. So if you want to create possessions, if you want to create volatility in terms of your offense, those shots help you uh, strategically and efficiently. I don't expect you to put a number on it when I ask you this question, Garrison, but do you guys have... Do you have a goal in the building of how many wins or where you would like this team to get to this year? Or is it just sort of still a learning process and finding out where this team is at and what you need to add to it moving forward? Yeah, it's definitely uh, an evaluation and a development process. I think as we look back on this season, if we haven't established an identity offensively, established an identity defensively, identified our core players moving forward and developed the players that we have here, we failed. Um, but I'm, I'm a strong believer if we do those things I've just laid out, we're going to be in a very strong position uh, to not only have a winning season, but maybe have success and put ourselves in contention for, for something valuable down the road. I mean, I'm on the record. You don't have to answer this, but you, 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 I mean, you're welcome to nod your head. I am on the record before the season saying you guys are going to win more games than the Warriors, so no pressure. And they've only they've only allowed about seven thousand points defensively. So I'm, I'm putting that on you. No pressure. Uh, it's, it's been a week. 
<laughs> We've had a good week. Let's let's continue to see how this season yeah. plays out. That's uh, Gerson Rosas. He is the president of basketball operations for the three and zero Minnesota Timberwolves. Thank you for joining, and we'll talk again soon, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Right. Thank you very much, Mackie and Judd uh, with Rami here. Yeah, we had him on at the state fair too for a little. That was his first three hours ever at the state fair, and we put him through a some sort of a challenge. The, uh, the state, uh, fair, state fair quiz, yeah, quiz challenge. How well do you know the state fair? Yeah. Carl, Did he win? Who won that? I think he won. No, Ryan Saunders won. Oh, that's right. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Ryan Saunders swooped in and got uh, three or four correct, which at the very end makes sense. Yeah, I mean, native Minnesotan lived here for thirty-two years or whatever. Probably three years. Few thousand hours at the state fair over the course of his life, he should yeah he should win. Yeah. He should have been the favorite, especially there. the tons of poop question. Like right, you should that know that if amazing. you're from Minnesota. That was insane. How many tons was it? It two was million tons, two thousand tons. So six million. I think it was two million. No, no, it couldn't have been two million, two million pounds. Tons. It was a lot of poo. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that's where this conversation went. I know. (laughs) Carl Anthony Towns, by the way, this is his first three games. He's the MVP. 32 points. And, okay, I'm going to put this stat line out there. And I've watched probably 80% of the first three games, so I've watched enough to just get the eye test involved, too. Do you think this is sustainable, at least to some level? Because I think yes. I actually think it's yes. I think they're playing at such a pace uh, none of these numbers are super out of whack. He's obviously, he, so he's, he's averaging 32 points, 13 rebounds, five assists, a couple of blocks, a few steals. Uh, he is shooting 52% from three point range. That probably comes down to like 40%, but it's, you know, it's not coming down to 20. He's going to shoot like 40% from downtown. Oh, yeah. He's shooting uh, 52% from the floor overall. That's not, that's not unheard of. That's probably about what he's going to be at the end of the season. So it's if it's really just a matter of this guy's amazing, get him more shots than Tom Thibodeau was getting him and just run the offense through him, which, by the way, doesn't take a rocket scientist. And I don't mean that as disrespect to Gerson Rosas or Ryan Saunders, but literally, like, Jonathan could have been hired as coach. And you can say, listen, Jonathan, you're a soccer guy, but what's your first what's your first <laughs> operation item here? And you're like, I don't know, get the ball to Carl Anthony. To get the ball to that seven-foot guy who can make three-pointers over everyone's head. Who can score head. from anywhere yeah. on the floor. <laughs> right. Literally anywhere on the floor. Right. So, so I don't think that's unsustainable. Here's my question to you when we come back. All right. Andrew Wiggins last night, and Andrew Wiggins with the light bulb sort of flickering here. To what degree is that sustainable? To what degree are you buying into last night's performance by Andrew Wiggins. And if you want to chime in with thoughts, 651-646-8255 or hit us up, just tweet at us. We're constantly checking our Twitter feeds at Score North, S-K-O-R North, at Phil Mackey, at Rami is tweeting, and even though he's not here today, at Jay Zolgad. We'll come back and also Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights in about 20 minutes from now.